We've been talking about rhythms. If you're here for the first time in a few weeks, this is part four of our series titled Rhythms. And in my hand today, I have a level. Now, many of you have used a level. How many of you have used a level before? Most of us here use a level. I know a lot of you have it on your app. You have different stuff. But what's the purpose of a level? Well, it's got this little glass thing in the middle that's full of a liquid, water, let's call it, and an air bubble. And so you use this device when you're hanging a frame, when you're putting up a shelf, when you're putting up a mirror, when you're doing something, and you want to ensure that that item comes out straight. There's nothing worse than putting a, a, a shelf up a little crooked, and then you put something on there that gets a little spin, and before you know it, it rolled off the shelf. Oh, but I couldn't even see to the naked eye that it had a little bit of a, a, a of an angle of a tilt, but it was there. So you put a level up against the top. You put it up against the side. You see, it's got different ones for the different motions or the different parts of it so that you can now put into the right order or the equilibrium or the balance that which you are putting up. And so we need to put a level to our life. So that we can walk in the right rhythms that God has for us. And you know what the level to our life is? It's a four-letter word. Rest. Rest is what brings balance to your life. Rest is what God uses in order for you to be able to have longevity. Watch what Jesus said. Go to the book of Matthew a minute. Matthew chapter 11. Verse number 27, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. I'm sorry. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden or yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now let's give it a small little thing of what a yoke is. Okay. This is not the yoke of an egg that's spelled differently. A yoke is this contraption made of wood that farmers put onto their oxen so that they can plow the fields. This is before tractors, obviously, right? And so the way that they would train a young ox is to put that young ox on the same yoke as the big ox that already knew what was the right path of how to go. And so they would put the young ox next to the big ox. And so the big ox would be going at a pace and the young ox would try to go too fast, but he couldn't move the big ox. So he would find to go the pace or he would get tired and start straggling. But because the big ox was going and was bigger than him, it would bring him up to the level. The older, bigger ox would train the young one by having them tied together. It was almost like what a level does. Jesus is our level to ensure that we are at rest. His burden is easy. His yoke is light. So I'm going to give you four principles to finding rest. Okay? Four principles to rest. And I'm actually going to do it as an acronym. So R, if you're taking notes, write it down. 
R is for routine. Church, we need to have our life in the right routine. It is biblical to have routine or customs in your life. Oh, pastor, I've never read a verse that says have a routine. Watch. Go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse number 16. This is talking about Jesus. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom or routine was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus had as a routine going to the Father on the Sabbath day. You know what other routine Jesus had? Have you ever read and noticed in the scripture whenever Jesus finished a miracle and he would send off the disciples and he would go off to a deserted place to pray? It was part of his routine, part of his custom. And you and I need to have routines in our life because they will enable us to be able to flow in the way God wants us to flow. So I'm going to talk about five routines that we need to set in our life. Now, my routine might be different than yours, but if you work in these five areas, you're going to be able to see palpable changes in your life. The first one is a morning routine. We need to have a daily morning routine. When you wake up without a plan, without a system, without a thing, things get chaotic. Things get out of balance. You know, I, I can tell, if we don't set up, for example, if we don't, we, we have a custom in our house. By we, I mean Patty does this. <laughs> she prepares the girls' uniforms every night. Not just their uniform. People ask her all the time, man, with three kids, how do you get to church? Because she's here before the start of the Spanish service, and, and she gets here early. I get here very early. We come in two cars. But you know what she does? The night before, she leaves the diaper bag ready and all three outfits on the go- girls' doors. Everything is set up so that when you wake up and brush your teeth and do your thing, it's brush your teeth, get dressed, let's hit the road. There is a routine. There is something that's set up. Do you know that if you analyze and you study great leaders, they all have a morning routine that they stick to? Oh, I'm a free spirit. I like to go with the flow. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. You may like going with the flow, but you will not accomplish everything that God has for you. Pastor, how can you say that? You're speaking a curse over my life. No, I'm not. I'm speaking biblical principles about having the customs of what you need to do to achieve the best that God has for you. Biblical principle. The second area that we need to work on after morning routine is a work routine. Work routine. Church, this one's going to hurt. You should not be working more than 50 hours out of your house a week. Pastor, if I don't work overtime and stuff, I can't make ends meet. I can't make my payments. That means you are living out of the boundaries. We talked about financials last week, about the the, the fatigue of finances where we're trying to live off of overtime and extra jobs and this and that and the other. And we're not spending time with our children. We're not spending time with our spouse. Our family's all chaotic. Now, I know for some of you, there's different things. Perhaps you, 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 you have a night shift schedule or you travel for work or different things of that nature. I'm telling you, there needs to be a routine. 
So even if you're someone that, that, that has to, to work the night shift or whatnot, set a routine that works for you. I remember when I used to have to travel for, for Houghton Mifflin, when I worked for Houghton Mifflin, and I'd go to a hotel in a different city or whatnot. Man, you would always go downstairs during breakfast, and you would see certain people that were in the gym at a certain time. And guess what? I never saw an obese person in the gym at a hotel. I never saw a person that was out of whack. No, I always saw people who were in shape inside the gym at 5.30 or 6 in the morning on a trip in a hotel. You know why? It's part of their routine. And even on vacation, they're getting up and going downstairs to the treadmill that every every hotel now has, right? And doing something to maintain because it's part of their routine. So a work routine needs to have it. Have you, do you guys ever know who Elon Musk is? The guy who made Tesla? Okay. Last year at one point, he came out and he said a flippant statement. He just came out and he said, I'm going to take my company private. I'm tired of the public. I'm, I, I can't do this. I'm working 120 hours a week. I don't see my family. I don't see my kids. The pressure's too much. Yeah. Because you're out of a rhythm and out of a routine. I remember hearing people then say, no, you don't have to make adjustments. You have to wait, figure out ways to make more money. And then you're always figuring out a way to make more money, which leads you to shady things. And before you know it, you're compromising your integrity. No, get it into an order. Morning routine, work routine. The third one is your family routine. Family routine. Two principles in a family routine that I highly recommend. If you have children, you need to have a weekly family night. Weekly family night. And it doesn't have to cost you a bunch of money. If you have some extra money in your budget and you can go out to go bowling or or whatever, that's great. But man, you can do something simple. Like getting, going to the dollar store and getting a puzzle and sitting with your children at a table and build a puzzle and talk with your kids weekly. And your kids will begin to crave it. We try to have a weekly time with our children that is uninterrupted, that is just for them. And sometimes, you know what we did yesterday? Because our family is weird and I get it. My wife and I and my daughters enjoy going to open houses. So we'll look up what open houses are there in the area and we'll drive there. And my little designers will walk around and be like, oh, I like this room and I like this design and I like this and I like that. And you know what? It didn't cost us anything. Maybe a dollar of gas. All right. And we'll walk in and we'll talk to the people and we'll do the stuff. And I'm honest. Oh, you're looking to buy right now? I was like, not right now. If I go to buy something, I got to first sell my house. I got to do a bunch of stuff. I'm just, we're just looking right now. And then we get in the car and we don't have the radio on. We're like, all right, Abigail, what did you like? Well, you know what? In this house, I like this, but I like my room in the house better. Or I like, man, they enjoy it. They have fun. And we talk about it. That might not be a routine that works for you. Some of you might take your kid to the open house and you're constantly, do suelta eso. Leave that alone. Do the other. And then you didn't have any enjoyment. All right. <laughs> I got mine trained. Don't touch. You can look and you can imagine. (laughs) Or find something that is within your budget. We don't go out to eat a ton because it would blow our budget. 
But when we do, we look at what are the specials, which is the restaurant that has the kids eat free when you buy an adult entree. And that's where we'll go that day if we're doing that as a family outing. Oh, pastor, you're being cheap. No, I'm being wise with the stewarding of the finances that God is giving me. I don't know why I'm going there. When you go to your groceries, what are the buy one, get one free specials that week? And alter your menu. Oh, but I really, does that make sense? Because we're living above, out of our means and trying to grasp because we have no rhythm and no routine. And with your spouse, listen to me, you need a weekly date night. A weekly date night. Figure it out. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day, whom I, who I love, and we were talking and these different things, and, 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 and he works in the ministry, his wife works in the secular field, they have children, it's hard sometimes or whatever, and I asked him this question, I said, how long does your wife get for lunch? So no, my wife gets an hour of lunch every day. I said, man, be there 10 minutes, at least once a week, be there 10 minutes before she gets out for lunch, go have lunch with her. Your kids are at school, you have nothing else going on, and take your wife out to a date during lunch hour, and then take her back to work. Show up at her work, be waiting there with a flower, get her, do something. Make it happen. You're going to make happen what you put as a priority in your life. You're going to make it happen. Take advantage of things. I am not a music person. I love worship, and I will listen to worship, and, I'll, and, and I'm a chronic song repeater. So, like right now, I, I have two songs that I just listen to constantly, Abide and Place of Freedom. And every once in a while, the f- phone goes crazy because Samantha touched it and I listen to Baby Shark. <laughs> baby Shark, do 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 Baby Shark, do do Okay. And you know you're a parent when you're in the car by yourself, Baby Shark, do 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 Baby Shark. You got older kids, you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> On Friday, somebody messaged us. Hey, I have tickets for this Toby Mac concert and I can't go. Do you want to go? So Patty tells me. And we looked and was like, man, we have a meeting that night. We had different stuff. And I said, please call the person and reschedule it for next week. And we did. The person said, okay. We rescheduled it. We're meeting with the person next week. We ran over to church to finish a few things we needed to finish for worship seminar because that was part of the plan. We didn't just abandon our responsibilities. We, we, we came to church. We prepared the coffee pot. We did the things, whatever. And we got in the car and we took off. I don't know Toby Mac's music. So Patty's like giving me Toby Mac music's on the way. She's like, this is one of his songs. This is one of his things. And I'm like, all right, great. You know, we got there. We had fun. We enjoyed. And then because God loves us so much, they had other artists who I actually knew sing before. To Jordan Felice and, uh, and Jeremy Camp. Jeremy Camp rocked it. It was an amazing time of worship. And we had fun. And we laughed. It was like two teenagers out on a date. I took advantage of an opportunity that came. Because I want to spend time with my wife. Because I love my wife and I honor my wife. And I need her to know that she is the second priority in my life behind God. Notice what I said, behind God, not behind the church. I will tell you no if I have to, because I'm not putting you before my family. And I try to model what I preach. Emergencies come up. 
but I can't live out of rhythm and lose my family. Unfortunately, like a lot of ministries do. That's why I tell you, your family needs to be a priority. Morning routine, work routine, family routine. The fourth one is you need to have a meal routine. A meal routine. You should do everything within your power to have at least one family meal a day. You know, your kids are at school, so you can't do lunch. Do breakfast. Make sure you're there for dinner. One family meal a day. So that your kids can see you the way that you treat mommy or mommy treats daddy and vice versa. And meals without your phone on the table, without the TV on, without things. Talk, have conversation, ask them about their day, ask your spouse about their day, talk to each other. It's part of what will keep your marriage going so that you can turn around at at 70, 80 years old and say, man, I've been married to the love of my life for 55, 60 years. What a testimony. And the last one, and by the way, before the meal routine, before I end on that, like I said last week when we talked about physical stuff, you should have 11 hours before your last meal and your first meal the next day. Doctors and studies show that that is great for your digestive system and for your body, and it actually burns fat. Because instead of storing it and eating super late and all these different things, your body begins to eliminate some of that stuff when you're having that quote-unquote intermittent fasting which is why it's called break fast, breakfast. But some of us are eating at 7, at 9, at 11. We get up to drink water at 3 in the morning, but we have a patelito as well, you know? (laughs) We need to work on that. Number five, there needs to be a sleep routine. Sleep routine. Again, there can be a differentiation between my routine and yours. If you work the night shift, you don't go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night and wake up at 5 or 6 in the morning. You might be going to sleep at 10 in the morning and waking up at 5 or 6 in the afternoon. But you need to have your body have 7 to 8 hours of sleep and put the routine. So R is for routine. Are you with me or are you mad at me? With me. All right, good. The E is emotions. Emotions. We need to have control or management of our emotions. Look what the scripture says in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 through 42. Luke 10, 10, 41 through 42. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. This is a story when Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house. And Martha is like, Jesus is here. I got to make him fresh, you know, food and and this. And she starts cooking and, and doing all these different things. And then she gets all restless, anxious. And her sister's at the feet of Jesus listening. And she comes and she's like, Jesus, tell my sister to come help me. And then, you know, we read this as like, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. I imagine it like this, Martha. And she still kept talking. So he's like, Martha, (laughs) you know, like we do with our kids. Johnny, Johnny, 
Jonathan Albert, whatever, you know, like you, you escalate. I can imagine Jesus saying it. Martha, Martha, you're worried about the wrong stuff. She was anxious. Her life was out of perspective. This is how you control your emotions. You manage your emotions with perspective. Perspective. Now, let me teach you what perspective is. Now, I'm going to ask everybody to do something, and if you don't do it, I'm going to call you out. Okay? I want everybody to close one eye. Come on, everybody close one eye. I want everybody to put one finger up. Now, I want you to get that one finger and bring it up close to the eye that's open. Right up to the edge of your eye. Can you see anything? Not really. I mean, it's the blurriness or whatever. Now, start putting that finger away from your eye. Keep one eye closed, start putting it away all the way to your arm's distance. Now can you see? See, that's perspective. We have an issue with jo- at our workplace, we have an issue with our children, we have an issue with stuff, and it's like we have an eye closed and we bring the other thing. I can't see, I'm drowning. God, why is this happening? All this thing, I'm anxious, I'm going all over the place. And it's like, no, 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 no. Put it in perspective. Is it about eternity? Because that's what Jesus says, you're worried about the wrong stuff. Mary's worried about the right stuff. For those of you that don't know my dad, he was an airline mechanic for many years. And my dad has a saying that they used to say at the airline, and it's this, it don't fly. And I'm like, what does it mean? And I'm like, dad, what do you mean by it don't fly? He's like, well, you know, let's say, for example, you need a washer for something. And people are freaking out because we don't have the right washer or whatever, but it's the same dimension as a nickel. Get a nickel, drill a hole in it, put it in there, and now you have your washer. It don't fly. It's talking about all this different stuff. And I'm like, all right. So I, I hear myself saying that sometimes. Something's coming up and everybody's like, oh, I'm drowning in this thing. I was like, man, relax. It don't fly. Perspective. Are you allowing it to be at the distance because it's not an eternal thing? Or are you bringing it right up to the eye where that's all you're focused on and you're anxious and it's destroying you? And Jesus says, you're worried about the wrong thing. Put it into perspective. Perspective. The second way that you manage your emotions after perspective is margin. Now, we talked about margin in your finances when we talked about financial uh, uh, burdens or financial fatigue, but margins, margins in every area of your life. Let's recap. What is the margin? The margin is the white space around the page, correct? Well, many of us are living, living a life with a very narrow margin. When you open your word processor, you can go to your settings and you can choose standard margin, wide margin, narrow margin to fit more on the page, right? Well, We're living our life that way. What do I mean by that? You're looking and you're invited to go eat lunch at 2 o'clock, let's say. And you haven't been there, so you look up the address, and it tells you it's going to take 27 minutes to get there. You're like, perfect. If I leave at 1.33, I'll get there on time. I can just do one more thing. Well, what happens? You didn't account for the guy that got a flat tire and all the rubberneckers looking at it. You didn't account for the traffic light that went out and is now blinking yellow. You didn't account for so many different things. And before you know it, you're there late. Or you're going through the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on my way, but you haven't even gotten off the couch yet. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? 
John Chris, I follow this comedian called, named John Chris. He put something on Instagram the other day. He's like, if they tell you that they're 10 minutes away, it means they're getting out of their pajamas, right? <laughs> if they tell you they're parking, it means that they're really 15 minutes away, right? Like, you know, if, if they ask you, uh, hey, I don't see you. Are you on the second floor or the first floor? It means that they're entering the parking lot. You know, what's the truth of it? Because we don't put margins. And so we're living a stressed out life, an emotional roller coaster, because we haven't put margins in place. And you know who pays the price? Your spouse, your children, your health. So how do we manage our emotions? Two things, perspective, margins. We're talking about four principles of rest. R, routine, E, emotions, S is for Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Look what the scripture says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 10. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, it makes me think about something. And I want to ask you this question. Do you think that God gets tired? Excuse me. Do you think that God gets tired? I don't think God gets tired. But go read creation story in Genesis. He created on day one, the heavens and the earth. He created on day two, the thing, the animal, all the different things, right? And then on the seventh day, he did what? Now, let me ask you this question. What did he create on day six? You know why God rested on the seventh day? To have fellowship with Adam. And God wants to have fellowship with you, which is why you need a Sabbath. And guess what? If you give God the first of your week, like you're doing right now, you are at a church service, giving God the first of your week, he will make the other six days prosper. Because time spent with God is never wasted time. I, I shared it a couple months back. When all my family, my wife and all three girls got the flu several months ago. And I praise the Lord that I didn't get sick. I called several people. I called Alex. I called Pastor Jose. I called Pastor Fernie. I called Pastor Zach. And I said, you guys got Sunday. And it felt so weird for me to be in Miami and not be at church. Because I grew up, since I was eight years old, if I was in town, I was sitting at church on Sunday, giving God my time. Because time spent with God, never wasted time. Never wasted time. I know I'm radical, and I know I'm a little crazy, and I'm okay with you thinking I'm a little crazy. But you know what my wife and I tell us, say when people invite us to stuff, as we get invited to stuff on a Sunday morning and different stuff, we look and we say, I guess they really don't want us to be there. And I'll never ask the people to change the thing. Don't change it on my account. But if you really want me to be there, and you plan it on a time where it's church, guess what? You're going to lose next to God every single time. Every single time. 
Now, here's the next part. Can you put Matthew again? Matthew 11, the first verse that we read. Verse number 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your... Your soul needs rest. Your soul needs rest. And you know how you give your soul rest? The first thing is, you need a weekly day off. I'm preaching to myself, okay? A personal day off. You need it. I have so much work that I can't take a day off. No, no, you need it. The second thing is weekly Sabbath, that weekly time with God. And church, you need a yearly vacation. I'm not talking about you need to go out and spend all kinds of money. I remember I, I grew up in, in, in a divorced home, right? And so when I was with my mom and it was her vacation time, she didn't always have enough money for us to go somewhere. So you know what we used to do? She'd make sandwiches, get a little cooler with the different things, and we'd drive to the beach every day. As a matter of fact, for those of you that don't know, Patty and I grew up as like best friends when we were young. Her, she was in a very similar situation with her parents. So my mom would pick up Patty and a couple of other kids from our youth ministry that were all from like homes that were not very affordable. And that was our summer vacation, driving to the beach each day, eating a sandwich, soggy sandwich inside of a Ziploc bag in the cooler. I want to buy the sub safe. Anybody watch Shark Tank a few weeks ago? They, they showed the sub safe. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's this thing where it's, never mind, I'm getting digressing. No more soggy sandwiches at the beach. Is it okay to laugh at church? Good. All right. You need to have vacation. And then don't stress yourself out on your vacation. Okay? Margins. Rest. Usually we come back from vacation more tired than when we left. If you leave it up to Abigail, when we do like a birthday trip that is like leave in the morning, spend the day at Disney, spend one night, and then come back the next days, you know, we do that a lot, or not a lot, but several times a year, we'll do it like that. Abigail wants to go to all four parks and ride everything in the two days. Now, this time that we went in January, Patty and I talked about it, said, you know what, we need to set margins, we need to be able to rest, we're not, we're not going to go crazy being in the park till midnight, we're not, and you know what, we came back from our vacation truly refreshed. We did everything at all four parks, got open. I mean, we had fast passes for, it seems like, everything. And you know you can only get to, like, one fast pass for something in Toy Story Land. Man, we got it for Slinky Dog. We did Alien Saucers and the Toy Story shooting game all within an hour. All three things. And the park was packed, but God just made a way. Things like getting on the monorail, and they're like, you guys look awesome. You know what? You're the Disney monorail family of the day to Epcot. Here's fast passes for Epcot. Cool. And then you know what we tell our daughters? Let's get out the blessing list. And we created a notes thing on Patty's phone. And every time God blessed us with something, she would go in there and type it in to then remember. And we did more than we had done in any Disney trip. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
And we came back refreshed. You need it. We're planning next year's vacation. I'm excited about next year's vacation. Our plan is to go back to Hawaii, so we're, we're planning for it. Now, oh, Pastor, you're going to Hawaii. Yes, I save airline miles. So I got all four plane tickets on air, all five tickets on airline miles. So that's going to cost us 60 bucks. And the hotel's part of our timeshare thing, so we get to go. So we got to go now before Samantha turns three. Because when Samantha turns three, she no longer counts as an infant. So I need to get a bigger room. And I don't have enough points for the bigger room. So I got to go now. <laughs> the bigger room requires like 300 and something points. We only have 100. So we're, we're taking advantage. One more trip to Hawaii before she turns three. And then we'll go every once in a while, just you and I. Save airline miles and then we'll go. All right. Are you receiving? Yes. Routine, emotions, Sabbath, and the T is we need to conquer our thoughts. Thoughts. Rest. Routine, emotions, Sabbath, and thoughts. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Watch, read that again. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Three things here about your thoughts. Number one, you need to monitor your mind. Monitor your mind, what you're allowing to go in there. I mean, have you ever heard anybody say a statement like this? Oh, I don't have a lot of time left. What do you mean? You're a young person. You know what? I'm 50 years old. My dad died when he was 50 years old. So I must have not much time left. Just because your dad died when you were 50, you think you're going to die when you're 50? Why? Or somebody has a cough, right? And you have a lingering cough. And you're thinking, oh man, I think I have, you know, I probably have lung cancer. Look at this cough. It doesn't go away. And then you walk into the supermarket and some nimwit that doesn't even know you hears you cough and comes up and is like, you know, my aunt died of lung cancer and she had that same cough. <gasps> I need to go get checked. I, I probably have. And your mind starts racing. Guys, have you not experienced that? Or am I the only one? I, I, have you hear that stuff? You got to check that. No. You got to control those thoughts. Eliminate those thoughts. Satan wants to drop in a seed of unrest in your thoughts. So monitor your mind. The second thing is take your thoughts captive. The Bible says to take the thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus. So how do you take your thought captive? When it comes, you say, devil, I rebuke you, you stinking liar. As a matter of fact, can you, can you say that with me? Devil, I rebuke you. I mean, do you not remember when Jesus was being told by his disciples, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to die. We'll fight with you. What did Jesus answer to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus called Peter Satan? Yeah, read your Bible, it's there. Was he calling Peter Satan? No, he was speaking to the thought that was being put in his mind through a disciple of his. And he didn't just let it fester, he immediately spoke and condemned the thought and said, get 
thee behind me, Satan. Monitor your mind, take your thoughts captive, and what did the verse say? He gives in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Church, we trust in the Lord. That is the third point of how to conquer your thoughts. So let's think about rest. Say it with me in a second, okay? The principles of rest. Worship team, come to the altar. We have R, which stands for routine. E. S. And T. If we do these four things, it is applying a godly level to your life to make sure that you get the bubble right in the middle. Rhythms. We need to work on having the right rhythms and rest will give you balance.